I was at uh, Connect Group last night, and uh, last night, Wednesday. Local queues, right? <coughs> I was there, and um, we'll have the first one up. And they said, uh, you're preaching. And I said, yep. Yeah. What topic? I said, broken relationships. And they said, <coughs> well, you're studying Genesis. You've got 30-something chapters of broken relationships. <coughs> broken relationships are something that happen all the time. So if you're in a process of having a broken relationship, join the human race. And if you don't like it, come up here, Pastor. <laughs> Do you love it, Pastor, when people have broken relationships and call you? <laughs> I like being a part of the uh, conflict resolution process. Isn't he polite? <laughs> because you really hate it. Yes, I do. Yep. Thanks. <laughs> if there is one thing I remember of 40-something years of being a pastor, it is the times that I had to help people through that. And it was something I jumped to help them with. But it was also something that made my heart so sad Yet it's something that is the fabric of life. So um, we'll have the next one. Because relationships come from God. So when relationships go wrong, there's something wrong. But all relationships come from God. And there's this passage that Years ago, really struck me, for this reason I fall on my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth receives its true name. Look, every relationship, every relationship in humanity comes from God. And, and that is something that we don't understand. You think you're having a relationship with somebody. But God is involved, whether you acknowledge God or not. Even the simplest relationships. I want to give you an example. The firm that I was working for were doing landscaping for new build houses. And every time we did a house, we had to go to the, the housing people and we had to say to them, here's the price and... You know, will you accept the contract? And they would hum and haw and then accept the contract. And they were happy with our work. So after six months or a year, the, the landscaping manager said, listen, why don't we cut all this rubbish out and build a relationship between the two firms? We'll do it for cost plus, and it'll be cheaper than us doing a contract. And they said, okay. Now you see, what he did is this. First of all, he said, he was hoping for something. We better have the next one. 
Meanwhile, there are these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. He was hoping for something. What was he hoping for? He was hoping for a long-term contract. They were hoping for a job that they could reliably get done. He was trusting that they'd come to the party and they were trusting that he would always do a good job. They were investing their reputation in him and he was investing the workmanship in that firm. There is a principle at the, at the simplest and lowest denominator. There is a simple, uh, this principle that there is faith, hope and love in every relationship. Every relationship. It even exists between me and my dog. And it's something that we need to understand. That when you trust somebody, then you relax in their presence because you know. When you have a hope that this relationship will continue on, that this friendship, you know, camping, hunting, friends, whether they're people who play the pipe band with you, doesn't matter. There's a hope that that relationship will go on. And in the relationship, you invest your friendship, your love, in some way with that person. It works everywhere. And by the way, imagine how much more complicated it gets when you get married because you've got marriage and you've got kids. That really makes the relationship complicated. But faith, hope and love, or trust, hope and love, are the basis to make that relationship strong. Relationships that don't have them are, don't exist. They're weak. We'll have the next one, thanks. There are breakers in this world. Things that break relationships. And just as there are three things that make relationships, there are three things that break relationships. And if you go back to the first time that a relationship was broken in the history of the world, something happens. Eve says, ooh, I rather like that apple. I reckon I could, oh, that's nice. I want it. And then she listened to the snake and she said, and it will make me wise. I'll know stuff. I'll be able to do stuff. And then she thought, and I'll be like God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we do it too. And when Jesus was tempted, listen to this. The devil said to him, you haven't been eating for 40 days. How about turning those stones into bread? You, you could do with some. And, uh, and look at the whole world. You can have the whole world. You can have all the people in the church. Everything, everything, everything will be yours if, if you give me the boss's job. And then there's the other one, throw yourself down from the temple. 
everyone will know who you are. You'll be big. And we do this in relationships. You know, we compete in relationships. Have you ever competed in your marriage? Of course not. You wouldn't ever do anything like that, would you? Five rounds. No, no, not like that, brother. (laughs) But you see, we do it. And when we do it, do you know what happens? We smash trust. We smash hope. We smash love. Because pride destroys love. When we manipulate, we'll have the next slide. When we manipulate, we begin to destroy everything that we built. And we manipulate in marriage. Believe me, people do manipulate, don't they? And, and, and all these things happen, and then all of a sudden somebody says, My relationship is in trouble. My nephew won't talk to me. My daughter won't talk to me. My wife won't talk to me. And we've done it by giving way to our emotions selfishly. I'm going to read a little bit here just to make you understand. What the human nature or the flesh does is quite plain. It shows itself in immoral, filthy, indecent actions, in worship of idols and witchcraft. People become enemies. They fight. They become jealous. They become angry, ambitious. They separate into parties and groups. They're envious, get drunk, have orgies, and do other things like this. I warn you, as I have now, that those who do these things will not possess the kingdom of God. But the Spirit, then it goes on to say what the Spirit does. In other words, in relationships, we destroy our relationships by doing what we want. And that breaks them. We don't go out to destroy relationships. We go out and do what we want. And that hurts someone else. And we've all done it. All of us. I've done it. Why do I always get these hard sermons? (laughs) And... uh, and that's, that's one of the great truths. And so we've got to understand that this, this is the framework for relationships. Relationships are made by trust, by a hope for the future, and for love given. They are destroyed by selfishness, by pride, by manipulation and by selfish actions. We all do it at one time or another. 
But to move on, next slide, we, um, there are some other factors. History and culture, we come from different places and that often means that we don't talk properly. We don't have an ability often to be self-aware. We think that my opinion is the only opinion, right? We don't listen, we don't share, and we tell lies. And sometimes we have great trouble in forgiving other people. Next one. A story of Peter and Saul. When I first was asked to do this, I prayed and the Lord gave me two topics. The life of Saul who broke every relationship that he had. And Peter, who in spite of all his faults, always came back and healed every relationship that he had. And there's a huge difference you see, Saul started off as a young man. He was handsome. He was head and shoulders above the rest. He had talents. He had everything. But he was humble. He was so humble that when they made him king, he hid in the baggage. <laughs> what did he do? Well, the first thing he did was when his son... went up the hill and routed the Philistines and led the army. He'd made everybody else promise they wouldn't eat anything and his son ate some honey. And he said, he's got to be put to death. And the people rebelled against him because he was a man who said, my principles are more important than your life. I am not going to back down. Anybody ever been like that? I'm not backing down. I tell you, I'm not. Say what you like, I'm not backing down. And, and you've never done that, have you? <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Time for conscience, isn't it? <laughs> then later on, when God said to him, you have to destroy the Amalekites, remember they were the people that Moses had to sit up in the hill with his hands up and he had to have people even holding them up, Caleb and Joshua, wouldn't it? They held his hands up for him so he could pray. And, and we defeated the Amalekites on that occasion. You have to wipe them out. You've got to get rid of that. Perhaps you've got an Amalekite in your life, you know, I know people with alcohols become their Amalekite. It's got to be got rid of. The stuff that destroys relationships. Could be something else. Could be gambling. Could be another relationship. Could be something like that. The stuff like that, it goes on. <clears throat> and we are not immune to that stuff. And God said to him, if you are going to think that you are the Lord and not me, then you're no longer going to be king. And he got angry and he tore the prophet's robe 
So God rejected him. Yes, because sometimes people who do stuff wrong get rejected by God. There are times that we do stuff that really signs the end of it for us. If I choose to live my life without God, God will grant me my request eternally. There is a thing called judgment. It does happen. And I am not going to renege on that. Then when he was in this place where he'd wanted Samuel to do all sorts of things for him, he gets depressed. He gets angry. So a young man comes along and plays psalms. And I would imagine that when David played for him, he didn't just play the lyre or the harp. He would sing songs of worship to God. Because the psalms are full of things that he sang. And you know, he probably composed them when he was looking after the sheep. And he brought all this beauty to Saul. And then when Saul was in trouble with Goliath, he went and he killed Goliath. And then he fought his battles for him. But the more successful David was, do you know what Saul did? He got jealous. He got jealous so he said, I'll send him out and he'll get killed. And then he threw spears at him. And every time that Saul did this to David, David came back and found a way back. <coughs> David never gave up on this relationship. And when Saul finally died, you know what David praised him? David did not talk about the harm that Saul did for him. Because David understood that if you buy into lust and pride instead of faith, hope, and love, you actually compound the damage that is done through broken relationships. Now, Peter, on the other hand, he started off and he used his boat as a pulpit for Jesus and he had a great old time and Jesus said, go out and fish. Oh, we caught nothing. Go out and fish. And he did and he caught so many. He said, go away. I, I'm sinful. I know what that's like. I've had more than one person say to me, Vicar, if, if, I, uh, if I came to church, the, the roof would fall in. <laughs> because they know that they're not good. And Jesus didn't talk about his goodness or his badness. This is something important about relationships. What did Jesus do? He said, follow me and you can catch men. In other words, I don't care where you start. You can be broken. You can have made as many mistakes as you want to make. But if you follow me, it'll be all right. And he did. And it wasn't long before Peter was saying to Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And not only did he say you are the Christ, the son of the living God, 
Peter, Jesus said to him, look, God showed you that. When we follow with love, when we follow, God shows us stuff through the Holy Spirit <coughs> that helps our relationships. One of the things that I have discovered about being filled with the Holy Spirit is this. I'm not concerned these days about the gifts of the Spirit in the least bit. I'm just concerned that God leads me on the right path. And then the gifts all come. Because I'm in the right relationship with the Lord. <clears throat> with Peter, when Peter says, you're not going to go to the cross, he says, oh yes I am. Get behind me, Satan. Peter doesn't do anything. Peter understands that Jesus really is the boss. He understands that he has to listen to the other person in the relationship. And when finally he denies Jesus, Jesus doesn't let him down. Jesus tells, tell the disciples and Peter that I'm going to Galilee. In other words, he knows that Peter's broken. He knows that he feels the relationship's finished. But Jesus says the relationship is never finished. It's never finished so long as you can trust God. And then Jesus reinstates him. He reinstates him this way. He says, Peter, do you love me more than everybody else does? Are you the best? You know, Warren, are you the best person in this congregation? No, I'm jolly well not. <laughs> And Peter said, Lord, you know I'm your friend. And he said, feed my lambs. You've still got the job, Peter. You've still got the job to lead the church. He said, Peter, do you love me? And he said, uh, I'm your friend. He said, you've still got the job to be the church. Feed my sheep. All right, he said, Peter, now the last one. Are you my friend? When Peter was really hurt, and sometimes in relationships, we need to be a little bit hurt by the truth. We do, don't we? And Peter says, you know I'm your friend. And he said, you've still got the job. You're still going to lead the church. In spite of the things that are broken. In, you, in spite of the things that have gone wrong, you're still going to. We'll have our new one, please. And um, because there are steps on the healing journey. Our history and culture, we come from different places. I've got a couple of stories to tell. The first one involves myself. When I was five, my 12-year-old sister decided that I was needed to go swimming. So she threw me into the rapids in the Dart River. And I went 50 meters down on the rapids, unable to swim. <coughs> Do you know, I, apart from being momentarily angry, I can remember going back to the place where we were camped, bawling my eyes out. I can remember that. But the thing that I took from it was that I 
didn't like swimming. I didn't hate my sister. You see, we we make up stories that fit what happens to us. And God blessed me so I didn't like water. I fixed that. I, when I went sailing, I used to wear a wetsuit and a life jacket. And then I was okay. But it had no long-term effect on me. But there are a lot of people, and you may be among them, who have long-term effects from stuff that has happened to you in your past. Here's another story. I was, this couple came to me in Motueka, and they're, they're both dead now, so I can tell the story. Anyway, you don't know who they are. He said, look, he said, our marriage really wasn't going too well. He said, so I said, I'll take you on holiday. So I took her up to the Coromandel where she came from. And we'll be just round at Whittianga, Whittianga, sorry. And uh, he said, we drove up the hill there, so we, there's a lookout, there's an ice cream place just before it. He said, so I bought us both ice creams, and we drove and we were looking down at Fittianga, that beautiful beach. I've, I've been at that place myself. Looking down at that beach, he said, and she was trembling. He said, so I put my hand on her knee to comfort her. And she brought the ice cream round straight into my face, he said, straight in my face. She got out of the car, and she wouldn't get back in for over an hour. She was screaming. He said, what did I do wrong? Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Some of the jobs you get as a pastor. (laughs) I said, well, something bad happened to you, didn't it? And we began to unravel the pain it wasn't her husband's fault but the pain of her childhood eventually broke that marriage but not before she gave her life to Christ and was baptised There is stuff in our past that colours the way we see relationships and can break and hurt them dreadfully. Sometimes it's in our far distant past. Sometimes it's raw and prepped present and because we cannot think our way through we cannot put it in its right context and then suddenly we find ourselves hurting somebody who doesn't deserve to be hurt because we don't understand what's going on in our own lives I've got another story. 
we arrived in Motueka with Liz three months pregnant. And lo and behold, we had twins in September. Wow, that was an absolute oh, blur. <laughs> Anybody who's had twins knows what it's like. Life is a blur for at least six months, <laughs> perhaps longer. So we knew the Plunkett nurse very well, and she said to me, she said, Warren, I've got this group of ten women who beat their children. They, when they smack their children, they can't stop. And these were kids from three or four months old right up to, to about five years old. And I went, and the only good thing I thought that I ever did with those people was to get to know them. Uh, I didn't think I achieved anything at all. But throughout their lives, as things happened in their lives, they would come and talk to me. And so, by the time I'd left 16 years later or after that, one of these boys, because they were all boys, had committed murder. Three had committed committed manslaughter and I have told that story about a young man who received Christ and then told his friends. Four had committed grievous bodily harm and another one in his anger had thrown an axe through a crowded bar and fortunately it hit a door jam and didn't hurt anybody. Only one of those children that had been abused by their mother had not done anything violent. And I thought this was just, I was just unlucky until I read the, the Manchester study of either 20 or 40,000 people and there were 300 mothers that had done this to their children of which 270 of those boys had committed violent crime. I'm telling you this because some of us might be scarred by stuff that has happened in our past. And I would not be fair to you if I didn't tell a story like that. Because in broken relationships, often it is the pain of the past that we cannot deal with that causes the worst pain. The next one, please. I put that first bit in there, pray before you act, out of experience, bitter experience often. I've often been in a situation where I've jumped in and now that I'm old, I know that before I say something, I need to talk to God. I need to ask God for help. Now Psalm 4 verse 4 says, In your anger do not sin. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. The marvelous passage, isn't it? In your anger, do not sin. One of the things that happens to us 
is that somebody does something or says something and we get angry. Does anybody get angry? I do. (laughs) And when you're angry, do you ever say something you wouldn't say otherwise? No, I didn't think you would. (laughs) That's the way it is. And so the first thing is do not sin by spouting your mouth off. When you are on your beds, when you are on, search your hearts and be silent. Now, in the modern psychological movement, there's a whole lot of stuff, and I don't really want to go into it a lot. But some of you will have heard of a thing called mindfulness. Who's heard of mindfulness? Right? Some of you will have heard of a thing called the meta. Psychological circles, you haven't. That's okay. Righto? Some of you will have heard of stuff like narcissist hmm? and personality disorder hmm? and um, psychopathology. Right. By the way, the lusts of the flesh that we were talking about to start with, they're all about that stuff. Right? Now, there's a word in the New Testament, metanoia. And my good friend Dre preached an absolutely magnificent sermon on perspective, which is all about it. Absolutely brilliant. I don't know if it's up there, but if it's up there, you need to revisit it because it's very, very important. The meta is about self-awareness. Being self-aware about the way we think. And that's what searching our hearts is about. In broken relationships, when we have an argument, the part that we can change is our part. Right? I cannot change. If, if Dre and I have an argument, and we haven't, right? We had disagreements, but we never had an argument. If we have an argument, I can't say, Dre has got to change this and this and this. Because it won't work, because all he'll do is say, no, I won't. (laughs) I have to say, Warren, are you really right in your opinion? Have you really at yourself, Warren? Is there something that you could do that would change this for the better? Self-awareness and repentance are really about the same thing. Am I aware Am I aware of my weaknesses? Am I aware of when I overstep the mark? In your anger, do not sin. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Notice that last word? And be silent. Next one, please. The other thing we have to do is to hear what the hurt is. 
Because most of us have real trouble hearing what's going on in other people's lives. And in broken relationships, that nearly always is the case. So we say to ourselves, I don't know why they feel like that. And the answer is to listen. Okay, so I say to Dre, Dre, tell me about it. Tell me what I've done wrong. And Dre says, right, I'm going to vent my steam. (laughs) That's right. Of course he doesn't do this, but, you know, he's the safe person. (laughs) He's got Hannah. Hannah's his safe person. (laughs) And um, I have to let him vent. I've got to let him tell me how bad I am. Because if I don't let him tell me how bad I am, I will never know what's in his heart. And that will put a barrier between us. And that barrier between us will stay between us. So I have to learn to listen and to, be, to put myself in the seat of being told off. And then I have to respond with honesty and care. In relationships, there is no substitute for truth. You have to be honest and you have to do it without anger. You want to heal a relationship, you've got to go into this dark place where you accept the anger of another and you actually curb your own anger in order that you can share something that is healing. We'll have the next one, please. The initiator of peace apologizes first. Forgiveness involves two ways. I had prepared a terrible sermon when I was on the West Coast. I'd been ordained about four years. And it was a shocking sermon. It was about prayer. And I was driving up to Reefton to take the service at 8 o'clock in the morning. And as I went up, I was praying, and I was praying. Then suddenly I prayed the Lord's Prayer. And, oh, by the way, William, thank you, thank you, thank you for giving us the Lord's Prayer at the end of that. Bless you, brother. Um, and, and I was praying the Lord's Prayer. And I came to forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And suddenly it dawned on me. How do I forgive others the same way that I'm forgiven? And so when somebody has hurt me and I'm feeling angry, I come and I start to pray and I say, Lord, Lord, I have been very angry at this person and I have not forgiven them. And I ask you to forgive me. Then... I ask the Lord to forgive them, and then I can forgive them. But until I've done that, I can't. I don't know what you're like, but that's the way I am. The next thing we have to do is to reestablish trust. 
<coughs> the best way to re-establish trust is by acts of kindness. Right? We do not re-establish trust by argument. We <coughs> do it by acts of kindness. And if we want to re-establish trust, we want to re-establish a relationship, then the acts of kindness go out of our way to be good a relationship. Next one, please. I'm sorry. Not all relationships are repairable. And it would be dishonest of me to say that they were. There are some people who don't want to be reconciled. That's why I put here, be like David, don't give up. Saul didn't want to be reconciled. There'll be someone like that. Now, I'm going to hand over to Lyndon in a moment. But I'd like to say this. I have said stuff which could have stirred up a hornet's nest in your heart. And you may need prayer and ministry. So don't put it off. Come forward. I'm going to hand over to the boss. Thanks, Warren. Can we stand, please? In some ways I feel sorry for Warren. He did a very big subject on one Sunday. It probably could take the rest of the year to finish that, eh? What we're going to do is we're going to close the service down. But first thing, we're just going to pray. And then... If you have an issue that involves relationship or a broken relationship, you know there'll be some of us leaders and um, prayer prayer team up here that will love to pray with you. Because um, sometimes it's quite private. That you know, it's like, hey, if you've got a broken relationship, come on up right now. Can be a bit of pressure. Um, so, you know, we'll be we'll just hang around the front here. If anybody would like to come up for prayer, um, you are most welcome. Because there is nothing better to get on the other side of that broken relationship and see restoration and see genuine concern and love for that person again. And uh, sometimes you think, oh, that will never happen. I can tell you it does happen. I've experienced that myself and I've experienced the other side of it where people just will not let you off the hook. They will not get over it. When that happens, do you know who it hurts the most? That person. Father, we just thank you this morning for, uh, for this message. Really scratch the surface of what it is to stay in relationship or be in relationship or, or navigate relationship challenges. And uh, Lord, we just thank you this morning that as we um, head out and have a cup of tea this morning, that you would um, begin to just work in our own hearts, Father, and, and show us, Lord, maybe it's family members, that you know the relationships have broken down somewhere and there's, there needs to be a healing, needs to be a restoration, needs to be a trust again. And we just pray, Father, for people that have broken family relationships here this morning. Maybe it's a work relationship. And we pray for work relationships where things have gone sideways and it's like, I don't know if I can get back. 
in relationship with this person that's either annoyed me or let me down. But with you, that is not impossible. We pray for that relationship, Lord. We just thank you, Father, that um, you came for this very reason, to restore a relationship with you. And if there's anybody here today that has a broken relationship with Jesus, we want to see that restored because that is a relationship you don't want broken for very long. And we just pray, Father, that you would restore your, your, um, your heart and your relationship to us, Lord God, that, Father, we would know that, hey, it is just not worth being in broken relationship. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.